Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series. Welcome to Codish. My name's Jamie White. I'm a front-end engineer at Heroku. For this episode, we have some bonus material from our prior interview with Leia Silber, this time focusing on conferences and tech events. You are a veteran of organizing tech conferences, so I couldn't let you go without talking about this area of expertise for a little while. Okay. What have you worked on this year? What conferences is 2019? Uh, so just last week, Thursday, Friday, was RustConf. Um, I've simplified my roster a little bit down to one to three per year uh, because of various other things going on. Um, but I do, I do still enjoy a good tech conf. <laughs> uh, RustConf was really fun. Um, it's a little bit smaller than EmberConf, and that's been really useful for me to sort of have uh, one event where I can test new ideas before using them at a larger scale. Uh, RustConf was 600 people, so I guess it's not even that small anymore. Um, but it went really well. Um, and I'm enjoying how far the conference ecosystem in general has come in terms of tackling issues of accessibility and inclusivity. And I think when I was much younger, I want to say much dumber, but let's say more naive, I think I didn't recognize as much as I should have the value of the little things that you can do to make just a few people have a much better time. It's fantastic that the industry as a whole has moved towards making accessibility and inclusivity not like an afterthought, but a mandatory prerequisite. Um, and it's also an area where because there's a newer focus on it, uh, there's room for innovation and there's room for experimenting with new ideas. And that is just fun and interesting, no matter what you're doing, right? Like the ability to tackle a new side of the problem, a new side of the problem and find new creative solutions um, has been really fun and really sort of reinvigorated for me some areas of conference running that maybe had gotten a little bit stale. Yeah, I want to call out, I want to call out two things in particular that I observed at, at EmberConf this year. Um, one, which I think you've had for a while, is free daycare. And when you when I popped my head into the daycare room, it was absolutely wild. Like the amount of cool toys and stuff going on in there was was great. And it's but it's also amazing that it you know the idea that it opens the conference up to parents of young children to allow them to travel with those children, bring them somewhere they might not otherwise go, and potentially bring someone into the community who might not participate otherwise is. Is a, is, a, is a big achievement, I think. Um, and then the other one is um, this year at EmberConf, I noticed there was a two types of lanyard and one of them was color-coded and there were signs around the event um, explaining what this meant. Color-coded to say, I'd rather not have my photo taken or appear on video, please. And it, you know, people might have all sorts of reasons for that being the case, but it was such a, it was such a nice detail and such a careful thought. And for some people probably makes the difference between having a comfortable conference experience and having a deeply uncomfortable one. Yeah, absolutely. Things like childcare 
the first few times you try them, you're going to think that they weren't worth doing because the first year or the first two years, like no one's going to know it was a thing yet and people aren't going to bring their children and you're going to think to yourself, oh, I just spent a couple of thousand dollars on something that was essentially useless. Uh, but no, it's an investment in the future events and in communicating to your attendees like, hey, you can do this and tell your friends who have small children that they are welcome. So I think we had one kid the first year at EmberConf and three kids the second year at EmberConf. And this year at RustConf, we had seven kids. Um, and obviously like it can't scale infinitely because I can't actually run a school. <laughs> um, but it was more fun for the kids also that there were more kids in the room. And it was more fun for the parents because when I went in to check on the kid, there was another uh, person from the community in there. And we exchanged stories about our kids. And um, it just felt really good. Uh, and like last year at EmberConf, um, there were these two little girls who weren't that young anymore. They were like, four and six. And so their dad was going to pick them up at all the breaks. And they were just sort of like hanging out in the hallways and at the snack breaks with their dad. And it just like made the whole environment feel so much friendlier um, and so much more uh, like this professional environment was acknowledging that all these attendees were also people outside of that professional environment and that there were things outside of that professional environment that were priorities. And you know what? Those priorities, even though they're not about writing code or being here, they're welcome in this space. Uh, and I think that's tremendously empowering and welcoming to people. And then obviously it also just opens it up to like, I'm a nursing mom or a stay-at-home dad. Like I, I just straight up couldn't come if I didn't have anywhere to put my baby. Uh, and they're fairly easy things to accomplish. Like you have to find the right vendor and put them in a room. But uh, it's it's not by a long shot one of the more complicated parts of running a conference. And uh, the lanyards, that's a perfect example of like a thing where if I had heard about it 10 years ago, I would have sort of probably just rolled my eyes like, oh, why does everybody need some special accommodation? But now that I'm more mature and grown up, why not? It was super easy for me to do it for the conference. And it made a tremendous difference, yes, to only the five or six people who chose to take advantage of it. But those five or six people are just as important as all the other people. Uh, pronoun stickers is a big one that I really like to do at conferences these days. And uh, the way that we innovate in that area is just by like making them adorable and <laughs> making them like fit in with the badges and the look and feel. Um, that's a thing that I, I have actually gotten a little bit of pushback on pronoun stickers because there's a push to normalize it and to normalize the fact that people have different ones. And uh, so some people who are very, very invested in that happening um, will critically say like, it shouldn't be a sticker. It should be a thing that you're asked on registration that everybody has to do it because if everybody has to do it, that will help normalize it. But after a fair amount of talking to people and doing research and whatnot, um, I really don't want registering for a conference ticket for one of my events to be like an existential crisis or decision-making moment for somebody. And the whole thing that's happening is that we're acknowledging that people want different things in this regard and that it's meaningful to people and that people can transition and change their needs and their preferences. And so I don't want you to have to stop when you register for a conference and think like, 
what's my pronoun right now? Am I in the middle of like a really tough life decision? And in three months when the conference happens, it's going to be different or I'm in the middle of figuring it out. And so I really just don't want to draw attention to it right now because I'm, I'm thinking it through and I'm figuring out who and how I want people to like acknowledge me. And these are all like things that society has come to realize are deeply personal decisions that people get to make for themselves and that the people around them should respect. And I want that to be on everyone's terms. So we put that pronoun sticker sheet in everybody's bag. Myself and the staff all wear them to normalize it for everybody. We encourage in the literature about it or signage or whatever. Like even if you're not somebody who will perhaps be uh, assigned the wrong pronoun by a random person talking to you, put it on your badge anyway so that it is normalized for people who maybe are struggling with this. Uh, or don't, right? It's like it's like a hard thing to balance because you want to help it be normalized, but not force anybody to do it, but make it as easy as possible. Um, and so the best solution I've come up with are these stickers. And the worst part of the solution is that it's wasteful because some people don't end up using them. Or if you get a sheet that has all the possible pronouns, you're only using two of them. Um, but that seems like a good trade to me. Like I'm okay with trashing a couple of extra stickers so that everybody can in their own time sit down and think about what they want on their badge or what they don't want at their badge and feel like they're comfortable and will be acknowledged the way that they want to be acknowledged by everyone around them. Yes, and different people will want to bring different amounts of their their personal life into the mix at these kind of events and in these kind of settings. To walk into a conference space and see children running around with their parents looking like you know they're on vacation and having fun to see people proudly wearing pronoun stickers um all these things are kind of like i feel like healthy signs and make it feel healthy to be part of that community as opposed to i would say you know seeing people who yes they've they've been very successful at getting involved in open source but have ended up like disappearing into it and burning themselves out mm-hmm. as a result and if the open source community has lots of kind of built-in affordances for family life and, uh, you know, going to another thing with the, with the Ember conferences, um, there are uh, fitness activities built into the, the schedule so that you don't, you know, you can yeah. avoid it if you want to. I will admit that I tend to <laughs> just because uh, jet lag and so on. But um, But there are totally people out there for whom, like, it's an annoying thing to think about, like, oh, I'm being really diligent about my fitness routine right now. And I'm going to go to this conference and like completely fall off the wagon. And again, that was something where it was just like, oh, you know what? It's not actually that hard to give this opportunity to people to do a thing that they like to do. So um, you wrote a book. Uh, I actually can't remember when this was. It must have been a few years ago now, Event Driven. It turns out it was a really long time ago because somebody was asking me about it yesterday and I went to check and it was in 2015. Um, so I was like, Oh yeah, I wrote a book. It probably has the answers to these questions, but asterisk, I really need to take another pass at it because uh, since 2015, the industry has made tremendous strides, um, especially in the areas of the things that we're talking about right now, Uh, the areas of diversity and inclusion and accessibility and having a more holistically welcoming environment. So it's back on the active task list to go back through it. And I don't even think I knew that pronoun stickers were like like a thing when I wrote this in 2015. And 
there's a lot of things like that. So um, yeah, so I wrote a book. It has a lot of uh, information on how to avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made uh, in running my first conferences, whatever it was, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, it has a lot of information on pro tips that are obviously specifically uh, related to our industry, but also at large. It has a spreadsheet included, which is a really good organizational tool for the very beginnings of getting started in a conference. And I hope to do an update pretty soon and um, give people insights into new things that are happening and better tools that have developed since 2015. Yeah, I mean, I think the diff between the second edition of Event Driven and the first well, would be a really insightful look at everything that's changed in this realm. I hope so. I'm just, I'm scared. I don't want to like go back and read it and read certain parts and be like, I was so dumb. <laughs> Even though like that in and of itself, I'm sure is a good, like a good diff of a human and uh, I should feel good about learnings and whatnot, but we'll see how it goes. Thanks again to Leia for joining us on Codish and for all the incredible work she does in open source and across the industry. And thanks to you for listening. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.